So after the, the last couple times that I've preached, um, it's been informed to me that I sometimes have the habit of talking a little too fast. I don't know if y'all picked up on that or not. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been receiving that, um, that feedback, right, that constructive criticism, and I've been thinking about it, praying on it. And I've decided and I've realized it actually is not that I speak too fast. The issue is that you don't listen fast enough. That's the issue here, okay? It's not me. It's you. Um, I am completely joking. Um, I am going to try my best today to slow it down just a little bit. Um, I make no guarantees that that's going to happen, but I'm going to try um, to do that. Um, but the thing is, is anytime that you're, whoever it is is up here, there's, you want to use this opportunity to the um, to this fullest extent. You want to, there's so much important information that we're only here for so long, right? We want to get as much information to you as possible. We want to make the most of this opportunity. And that's actually kind of what we're preaching on today. Um, as Josh kind of read in Ephesians 5, that's where we're going to be. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Joey kind of finished up chapter 4 last week, and um, next week we'll kind of enter into the um, section that kind of talks about marriage, and so um, that's going to be really, really good. encourage you to come back for that. Um, also, just as a kind of FYI, at the end of this month, on the 31st, um, we're actually going to have a marriage night, and we're going to do a simulcast with uh, Francis Chan, and many of you have probably um, read some of his books before, and so that's going to be on the 31st of the Friday night, and we'll have some more information about that next week, um, but you can go to our website. You can get signed up for that. It's completely free. We're covering all the costs for that, so we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. Um, but I want to kind of walk through um, verses 15 through 20, kind of see what it has for us, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens. So starting in verse 15, it says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And as I read that, and the thing that I thought about is um, growing up, and actually still to this day, um, one of the things that my dad tells me all the time whenever I'm um, leaving this house or going somewhere, he always tells me to drive safe. Um, it kind of has, has become kind of a, a joke as um, there's been times that I've left that he forgot to say that, and then I actually call him and say, you got to tell me because, I don't know, it just makes me think that that's going to actually keep me safe. But the thing that I thought about is that He's the one that actually taught me how to drive. He knows that I'm a, I'm a good driver. Um, but so, so why does he continue to, to tell me this? And one of the things that when he was teaching me how to drive is the most important thing that I believe that he taught me was to be aware of my surroundings, right? He, he would encourage me to pay attention to certain vehicles that he knew that were, were probably more prone to get into accidents. And so you want to be a little bit more alert when those vehicles are around you. And one of the other things he had me do is we got into a parking lot and we came up to a, um, a cement um, uh, pole. And um, he said, I want you to pull the car up as close as you can to this pole without hitting it. And I'm this 15-year-old that doesn't want to you know, mess up dad's car. I'm kind of freaking out a little bit, but he wants to see how close I can get. And so I kind of got as close as I could, and I got out and kind of looked at how much, um, how much room I had. I still had a lot of room. And, um, but he wanted me to learn about my surroundings. He wanted me to learn and be as aware as I could of what was going on around me. And my daughter, Harper, she's three years old. Um, she's the exact opposite of this. So she's, she's that, that, that toddler that kind of walks like this, right? Doesn't walk where she's look where she's going, doesn't walk where she's, oh my gosh. She doesn't look where she's going, and so she'll run right into a door frame, and I'm just like, oh, come on, girl, please just, like, look where you're going, right? You would think that would just come, you know, you would just be born with that. Apparently not. Apparently it's a learned trait, so um, pray for her that she, so if you just see bruises on her, we don't beat her. Like, we love her. She just is very, very clumsy, but, like, we need to be aware. We need to be aware of what's going on, and when I read that, the thing that I thought about was I thought about there's a verse in, in 1 Peter that many of you have probably um, heard before, you've read before, 
But it's the end of verse Peter. It's in chapter 5. Now, you don't necessarily have to turn. It's to be up on the screen. But it says in verse 8 of chapter 5, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. I'm kind of going a little bit longer there, but that's okay. So, again, there's a point that, of why we should be aware. We should be aware of what's going on so that we can resist the enemy when he's trying to attack us. So, so I think this is a very important thing that Paul is telling us here in Ephesians. And so I'm thinking about, okay, so if we need to begin living this, and we're in this series of, of growth over process, and we're trying to figure out how do we grow in our, in our faith, this whole section is about how we live as Christians. So I'm trying to think about, okay, how do we apply this? How do I become more aware? And so I begin kind of thinking, about that, and I get to the next section, and it says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so when I read that, I'm like, well, what does it mean to make the most of every opportunity? Like the first thing that I thought about is it probably means I need to stop watching so much TV, I probably need to pray more, read my Bible more, and like, yes, to some of that, right? But I'm like, there's got to be more to that. What's, what does it really look like in every situation of our life to make the most of the opportunity. In the original Greek, that, that phrase of making the most of every opportunity, it basically means to redeem or to purchase. To basically, you're, you're buying back that time, right? Because that our time is so quickly going away. I don't know um, about you, but I'm a very busy person, right? Life just comes at me all the time. And so it seems so so hard and so difficult sometimes to find time for God, to find time for the purposes and the, the things that God wants to use me in. But so if we're going to buy back and we're going to take back this time that we've got to be um, alert, we have to be aware of our surroundings, we have to be aware of what's going on so that we can focus in and not miss any of those opportunities. So, but what do we have, what has to happen in order for us to be ready for those opportunities? Well, again, I think about, there's a verse in First Peter, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in um, verse uh, 3, chapter, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, it says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reasons for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It says that we need to be prepared. So if we're going to use every opportunity to the fullest and we're going to make the most of every opportunity, we need to be prepared for those opportunities. There's another verse in um, 2 Timothy that says something very, very similar. It's actually a section um, or several verses. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And it says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? And in view of his appearing and of his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared, there it is again, in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and courage, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. I think that's very important to making the most of our opportunities. We have to keep our head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. The race. I have kept the faith. So I look at that section, and I think about, okay, like, if I'm going to be that prepared, if I'm going to 
um, be alert with the different things that are going on. Like, yeah, that makes sense, and, and I need to do that. But I started thinking about that practically. I started thinking about that of, well, what does it really look like in my life to do these things? And as I looked at my life, I kind of just want to kind of put all the cards on the table of, <clears throat> for me, recently, life has just been a little bit difficult. Um, so in January, my second daughter, Adeline, was born, and um, it's been um, a complete bl- um, blessing, um, but there's a, there's a side of where Harper, um, my first um, daughter, she was a little bit easier of a baby, right? She was a little bit, um, she didn't really cry too much. She was a pretty happy baby. She slept pretty good. Adeline, on the other hand, she is, let's say, a bit more vocal, all right? Um, sleep is a, you know, when I need it type thing, but um, she just oftentimes seems a little bit more angry um, about things. And I've just been, honestly, like, I've struggled in it a little bit. Like, it's been somewhat difficult. And here's the thing, like, I realized that plenty of you out here, you're going, well, th- you got two kids. Just think about what happens when you get three kids. And, like, it's easy to kind of one-up each other on some of these things. The reason I want to try to express where, where I'm at in this thing is not to say that I've got it worse than somebody else or you have it worse um, than me. I think regardless of what it is you're going through, whether that's with kids or whether with, that's with work or life or whatever situation it may be, that when we have difficulties in our life, I believe three things begin to break down. Our view of God, our view of ourselves, and our view of each other, regardless of what difficulty that is. And so whenever whoever's up here, when they're trying to express some type of difficulty, it's not to say, I understand exactly what you're going through. Hopefully it's to say, look, I don't know what you're going through and you probably don't know exactly what I'm going through, but maybe we can see that we both have difficulty in our life. And at at times when we have that difficulty, things begin to break down and there's things that we have to to look at in order to try to get back on track again. So for me, life's just been kind of difficult. It's been hectic. You come home and you got, you know, a screaming baby. Then the toddler, they're kind of losing their minds because they're just whining all the time because they're not getting the attention anymore, right? Many of you probably are familiar with this. Um, And then we're trying to figure out what do we want to have for dinner, but there's just no time to think about what we want to have for dinner. We don't have any food at the house because we didn't have time to go to the store. And then laundry is just piling up. I don't know how two little babies, my wife is four foot, 11 inches and a half. There's that, not even that much fabric. How is there that much laundry that just piles up? Like, it's crazy. And like, again, all you mothers are probably about to amen me about all this different laundry. And then fellas, just a reminder, laundry's not the mother's job. So you can you know, help out too, right? A- amen? Get amen, ladies? Good. Okay, cool. So like, but it's just, life is tough. Well, here's what's beginning to happen, right? For me, like, it just brings tension in my life. Oftentimes I come home and I'm just like, I just want the screaming to stop, right? I just want them, just go to bed, just, just stop. Like, I want a moment to myself. And it's led me to getting frustrated. It's led me to react poorly. It's, it's led me to go, God, like, again, I, I know kids are supposed to be a blessing. I'm just not really feeling very blessed right now. Like, I'm struggling, you know? And, like, and then I'm looking at myself. And you know what it makes me think? It makes me think, well, maybe I'm just not a good dad. Maybe I don't have what it takes because it seems like everybody else, they, they've got it together. I don't, maybe I just can't, maybe I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to raise two kids. I, I could handle one, but maybe I just don't have what it takes. Maybe you've thought something like that before. And then it, may, it changes the way that I react to other people, right? Because when I'm tense, when I'm irritated, right, it's going to affect how I'm going to relate to my wife, how I'm going to relate to my kids, my family, my coworkers. And I've realized I'm just more on edge, and I look at my wife and I look at the patience that she has with these girls. Like even when things are crazy and she's still just, she's okay. And I'm going like, no, I'm on edge. Like I'm struggling in this. 
And it's really thrown me for a loop and where me and Natalie had to have some serious conversations because she's like, you've got to figure something out in this. She's like, because I feel like I've done something wrong. And then I'm sitting here going like, this, this woman who's been doing everything right, she's feeling as though that she's done something wrong by the way that I'm responding to her. And I'm like, man, what's going on? I'm not making the most of these opportunities. What I find myself doing is I just want to get through these opportunities, right? I just want, I want the crying to stop. I just want, let, let's just get them to bed, right? Once we can get them to bed, I can actually have a, a moment. Or let's just get through this season of life when things kind of calm down a bit. It's like that movie. I don't know if you've seen it before. It's a movie called Click. It's with um, Adam Sandler. It's not a great movie, but it's a movie. But the point of it, the premise of it is he's got this magic remote control where he can fast forward and he can pause time, right? And so he begins to fast forward through the moments, the t- things in life that he doesn't really want to deal with. Well, the remote, it begins to learn. It begins to automatically fast forward through, through life. And the end of the movie, he's realized that it's fast forward through all the important things of his life. And he realized he missed out on all these incredible things because he was just trying to get through to the next thing that he really wanted to do. And I'm like, am I doing that? Am I just trying to get through to that next thing and missing these moments? And it really, it all kind of came to a head um, a little while ago. Natalie was reading with Harper. We got this little storybook Bible. And on the first couple pages, um, there's um, several different, um, I guess, biblical characters on the page. And she always loves reading the names um, of these people. And so she gets to Mary and she's telling Natalie, she's like, that, that's Mary right there. And Natalie's like, you're right, that is Mary. And she goes, that's Jesus' mom. And I was like, you're right, that is Jesus' mom. And she goes, my daddy taught me that. And like, there's a, yeah, there's an incredible awe moment, right? right? But when Natalie told me that, like, it hit me like nothing's ever hit me before. Because I realized, like, in that moment, I realized the potential I have as her father, right? I've got the opportunity, the privilege to teach her about Jesus, right? And it was something as simple as just who was Jesus's mom. I realized it wasn't anything crazy, but she, the way she learned it was because I taught it to her. And I'm like, if I don't carve out these moments, if I don't find these moments in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the screaming, in the middle of the laundry, in the middle of everything else going crazy, if I don't look for these opportunities, I'm gonna miss out. I'm not gonna make the most of these opportunities. And I just, it made me realize You've got to reevaluate your priorities. You've got to really reevaluate your perspective and realize you're not just trying to get through this season. This is an important season right now. Don't miss this season. And I think, man, it, it's been tough to realize that and to see that, man, I've got so much to learn in this. And it's a growing process, and I'm still not great at it. And I'm still, there's still times that I'm just getting frustrated and stuff, and I'm just going, God, Help me have patience. Help me have just peace in my heart again. Things are beginning to kind of normalize again, but still I'm finding myself struggling in that. It's not a perfect process. If you think that just because I'm up here, I got it all together, I I don't. I'm struggling as being a father. I'm trying to do the best I can, but I'm not always great at it. And there's times that I need moments where I can kind of be woken up from those things. There's a, a woman that I admire greatly that from time to time she'll come and she'll um, asked to speak with me and say that she just feels like um, God's put something on her heart that she wants to share with me. And I remember the first time she did it, like I was really scared. I'm like, oh no, did I do something wrong? Like I'm about to be rebuked. Like what's about to happen? And like she came and they're always such encouraging times. And this last time that she sat down with me, um, she said, I just feel like God is so putting on my heart um, for you and Natalie to be praying together. She's like, I don't know why that's what I'm feeling. I just, I want you to know the importance, the significance of 
of prayer and how powerful prayer can be. And it was, it was really good, and, and it was something I need to be challenged in. It's something that, um, it, it's an area that I'm constantly trying to improve in. And one of the things I told her is, was like, you know, I didn't, you know, didn't really grow up, you know, having really discipline and, and praying, so I'm probably always going to struggle with this. And she stopped me right there in that moment. She said, that's a lie. She said, that's, that's not true. She said, I didn't grow up praying either. And she's one of the most faithful people that I know in prayer out of anybody but she had to devote herself to it. She had to become disciplined in it. She had to look and say, you know what? How am I gonna make the most of my opportunities with the Lord? And she pressed into that. She leaned into that. And over time, it began to, to change her. It began to shift things in her. And I realized that how often am I making excuses? How often am I saying, well, that's just not me, right? That's, that's somebody else, or I'm, just, I'm never gonna get to that point. I think oftentimes we... We hold on to for too long saying, that's just not me. And we don't recognize the progress that we've made in our faith. We don't realize the growth that we've made in our faith. And we, so we just we, we revert back to what we've always known. So I realize in my life that if I'm going to seek out and, and, and find and use every opportunity to the fullest, that just like we opened up with, if we have to be aware of our surroundings, we got to be aware of what's going on. We have to look for those opportunities. We have to find those opportunities. The next section says, um, or next verse says, um, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And in that um, oftentimes you have people that just, they struggle with God's will. They struggle with, God, what are you desiring for me in my life? And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. God's will for us in our life is for us to become more like Christ. When we're more like Christ, it means that we're gonna bring God glory. It means that we're gonna love and serve other people. It means that we're going to worship and, and praise and we're gonna ultimately, again, bring God glory. That's what he desires us to do. What that begins to, to look like in each one of our lives that gets played out as we go. And I, I think sometimes we just focus so much in on that and, and miss, um, miss the journey, miss the, the, the experience of becoming more like Jesus. The next section says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Obviously, in a room this size, there's probably a lot of different beliefs um, about alcohol and kind of what, whether you should drink it or should drink it in moderation or whatever it may be. Um, but regardless of where you stand on that, um, what this section is saying is, is Paul is looking at, he's, he's doing this analysis, this comparison between being um, filled basically on alcohol or being filled by the Spirit. And so I want us to break down and understand why is he saying this? What does this mean for us? He's saying, look, when we are under the influence of alcohol, what is alcohol? Alcohol is a depressant. Or what does a depressant do? A depressant makes us less aware. So it takes, oftentimes when we drink alcohol, it lets us become less aware of what's going on. And so when we've got difficulties in our life or troubles in our life, the reason you hear people say, well, I just want to go home, take my shoes off, have a glass of wine, and just relax, is the reason they want to do this is because they want their worries to kind of sub go away. They kind of want them to, to subside and to, for them to be less aware of what's going on, right? 
So think about when we're filled with the Spirit, that would almost be referred to as a stimulant, right? So what does a stimulant do? A stimulant makes us more aware, right? It makes us, instead of being out of control, which is what alcohol can do, it gives us and puts us more in control, right? It gives us self-control, which self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So along with self-control comes all the others of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, like all of the different elements of the fruit of the Spirit, we get along with that. And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, both of these situations, both of these things oftentimes allows us to deal with the, the worries or the difficulties of this world. But he's saying, with alcohol, that's only going to last for so long, right? You're going to, the, the worries begin to come back up again, right? When we are filled with the Spirit, what ends up happening is our, we become more fixated on Jesus, our, our um our view of God begins to get back into alignment. And so what happens is not that our worries, our difficulties, our circumstances go away. It's we begin to look at them through the lens of how great God is. And so in comparison to, to how great God is and, and his ability and, and how sovereign he is over everything um, in our lives, we realize that these things begin to fade away some, right? These things begin to realize that maybe they don't, aren't playing as big of a role in my life as I originally thought. But see, here's the thing about being filled with the Spirit. Is that a, is a continual process? So in, in the original Greek, when it says that we should be filled, um, this is a, a present imperative. What that means is that basically this is an ongoing process. And oftentimes people get confused because they're like, well, I thought I was filled with the Spirit when I received Christ, Right? Well, when we accept Jesus, yes, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And that is a, is a one-time deal. And that, that kind of seals our relationship with him. But after that, there is a continual process of, of, of us being filled with the Spirit. That should be an ongoing process. And what I was thinking about, I was thinking of even that la last song, it talks about um, the breath in our lungs, right? So I thought about, so if you had a lung transplant, right, you had a, a new lung put inside of you, right, that lung's not going anywhere, right, or hopefully it's not going anywhere, right? But what happens after that, right? We have to begin breathing in, right? And what happens after you breathe in, you're able to breathe back out again. That, you don't just breathe once, do you, right? That's an ongoing process. And so think about when we receive the Holy Spirit, like we get his lungs, right? They, that's not inside of us. That's not going anywhere. But there's an ongoing process that needs to begin to happen of us pressing into the Lord, of us being filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, right? When you're filled with something, it means that you're saturated with it, right? You're, the, the whole thing has been permeated. And I thought about a sponge, right? What's cool about a sponge, and you did, probably didn't think there's much cool about a sponge, but there actually is some cool things about a sponge. What I think is so cool about a sponge is that you could take a sponge, you can put just the corner of a sponge in some water, right? And if you sat there long enough, what would end up happening? all of that water would begin soaking up into that sponge from the very tip of it. That's all it took, right? That sponge would begin to get filled up, would become saturated, right? But here's what happens. When, when, that, when that sponge becomes saturated, right, you can look at it, and you don't recognize outside of the little bit of dripping what all is in there. It just looks like a sponge. However, when you squeeze that sponge, you realize just how much that sponge can actually hold, right? And I, I don't know, I like visuals. To me, what that shows me is it shows me that when we're filled with something, oftentimes you don't recognize how filled you are with that. Same thing with a sponge. When you look at it at face value, you don't recognize all 
the power, all the, the, the contents that it really has, I think oftentimes we don't realize the power that's within us. The disciples, they learned that through the, the book of Acts, right? What happened when the disciples began really seeking the Lord and being filled with the Spirit? You saw incredible power come from them. So you think about Stephen when he stepped up, knew he was about to be stoned, but yet he spoke up extremely boldly. Where does that come from? Some, that only comes from the Spirit. You're not just going to voluntarily decide, hey, I'm just going to get stoned today, right? Like That's something that you have to commit to, and that's only going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see that in, in Peter when he's stepping up and he's proclaiming the gospel and he's proclaiming the good news to the people that put Jesus on the cross. This was the same Peter that denied Jesus shortly before this, right? What, what was the difference? What was the change? The Holy Spirit was inside of him, right? And so that same power was exuding out of him. He recognized there was so much more in him than he, than he realized. I think about that verse when Jesus is talking about um, the living water and he's saying that when you drink this water, you'll no longer thirst anymore, right? Go back to that example about alcohol, right? There's a, there's a time, unless you just keep on drinking, right, that at some point you're gonna be thirsty. Again, it only lasts so long. That's the thing why Paul is saying, instead of being filled with that, be filled with the Spirit because this is a ongoing thing. You're not gonna have to continue to thirst. And so, and I think about all this and I think about, so how do we begin living this stuff out? How do we put wheels to this? And I think, again, it goes back to how alert are we? How, how aware are we of what's going on in our lives? How aware are we of the power that lives inside of us? The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in each and every one of you. But so often we, we doubt ourselves, Right? Because we allow the difficulties of this world begin to, to those things begin to, to take away our view of God, our view of ourselves, and our view of each other. And so if we're going to get that back right again, then we get our, our eyes back fixated on the Lord, then who we are in Christ, the power that comes from being filled with the Spirit, we can recognize those things and it can actually lead to action. So what does that action look like? Right after this, it says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when I thought about that, I thought about what we do every single Sunday morning, the opportunity to gather together, to sing to one another. Not, the awesome thing about singing is not only does that fill us, but it's an opportunity for us to to kind of pour out, right? We've been getting filled hopefully all week long with what God's been showing us in our lives. And now we have the opportunity to, to shell that out and praise to him. And so just as Josh was saying, like we should look for every opportunity to be able to do that. If we're gonna make the most of every opportunity, that means even on Sunday mornings, and we don't just have to, to worship or to sing on, on Sunday morning, right? Obviously, hopefully that's happening more than just on a Sunday morning. But every day that you come here, we have the opportunity to be able to do that. And I would encourage us, are we doing that to the fullest extent? Are we making the most of this opportunity this morning? So here's what I want us to do. We're going to have a little bit of time here at the end. And I want us to do something a little bit different. I want us to spend some time thanking God. I want us to spend some time praying. I want us to spend some time pausing for a moment. Because if you're like me, you're really busy. And the second you walk out these doors, 
it's going to be a mile a minute, right? You're going to be having to get to Mother's Day lunch, or you're going to be having to do this, or you're going to have to take the kids there, or, or whatever it may be. But right now, we're here, right? Right now, you've committed this time. And so I want to say, so let's use this time. Let's, let's make the most of this opportunity this morning. So this is what I'm going to challenge us when, in. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're, um, maybe you're with your spouse, you're with your um, child, your family, or whoever it may be, and they're sitting right next to you. And maybe prayer is one of those things that you just, it seems like you just haven't had the time to be able to do that. You're like, I know we need to pray more. I just, by the time we get to the end of the day, we're just both exhausted and we just fall asleep. It's not because I don't want to. Okay, I understand that. Well, now you have the opportunity. Right this second, I'm gonna encourage you to pray with one another. We're gonna give you some time to be able to do that. If that makes you um, uncomfortable or you just, maybe you need to spend some time with yourself. You need to listen to the Lord. He's wanting to speak some things, but you aren't slowing down enough to hear from him. I wanna give you that time. For maybe others, you go, well, I don't even know where to start. I want to put an image up here on the screen. Um, this is kind of a synopsis of day 43 from our reading plan, for the 412 reading plan. Um, I encourage you to, uh, to be reading through that. Um, but I thought it was so fitting. One um, in this section, it says that we should um, speak one another with psalms and hymns. This is um, some information from, from psalms. And basically, we're guided in this reading plan of kind of what should we do? We should look at what Psalm 107 is saying, and in response to that, give thanks to God. It gives us the, the keys of let's look at this scripture, and in response to this, what should we pray for? What should we ask God for? And so maybe you're sitting here, and you're maybe not with anybody, or maybe you are with, with somebody. I would encourage you, take a look at this. Maybe pull out your Bible, read a section of Psalm 107, and then pray together. It's as, it's as simple as that. I want us to practice this. We've got, if we're going to ever grow in this, we've got to practice it. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take this time to be able to do that. It'll take you know, a couple minutes, and the band's going to sing another song, and then I'll, I'll come up and I'll close this out. I encourage you, don't leave yet. You're already committed to this time. Use this time. Don't get up. Take this time. Pray with one another. Pray to yourself. If you need to come up, up front, you need somebody to pray for you, we'd love the opportunity to do that. But we're going to make the most of this opportunity this morning of what God's given us. Um, for me, as I've read through this scripture, it's just it's made me think different things in my life. It's made me evaluate different things in, in my life. Hopefully, maybe as you, I've read through it, maybe it's made you question and, and think about some things in your life. That's ultimately what scripture should do. We should look at it. We should reflect on it and say, God, what do you want me to do with this information? I know there's a lot that I can do with this information. And so I encourage you to do the same, reflect over this. And so um, I'm going to pray for us, and then um, let's take this time. Let's pray with one another. Um, pray some of these things right here, um, and then we'll finish. Father, God, I pray right now that we make the most of this opportunity that you've given us this morning. We've all committed to be here, and to the reason we're here is to, um, to bring you praise, or maybe we're here because we're just trying to find out more about you. Maybe we um, don't know you. But God, we're something's stirring in us and we don't even know what it is. Um, we realize that maybe there's more to this life than what um, we first knew. God, maybe there's those of us in here that um, their life is kind of like my life right now where it's just kind of crazy and they just feel like they don't have the time for anything. God, I pray that you help them buy back that time. God, that they find those moments in time when they can spend time with you, when they can open their Bible, when they can read scripture to their children. They can teach scripture to their children. And they realize the incredible power that comes along with that and responsibility and privilege it is to raise um, children. 
So God, I pray that um, for the married couples in here, that God, as they pray together, God, you unite them together, that something sparks in them that they say, this is the thing that we've been missing in our marriage. And this is just the starting point. They realize there's no perfect formula to this, but they just have to begin somewhere. God, I pray that you speak to those that are needing to hear from you today or need to be comforted by you today. So God, use this moment that we've been given for your glory to be received. God, we love you so much and we thank you for giving us this opportunity and pray this time um, is pleasing to your ear.